a wise person will hear and increase their learning. When I think on that, it's teaching me that not will a foolish person hear, because I, I automatically think, okay, it's not the wise person needs to hear, right? It's the foolish person that needs to hear. But no, it's the wise person will hear and increase their learning. And what that teaches me is that as long as we're drawing breath, Aaron, as long as we're living, we should be learning. To be learning at everything we learn in life, Aaron, we learn from someone else. Welcome to the Daily Authors Podcast, a daily podcast all about books and the authors who gave them life. Each episode, your host interviews a new brilliant author as they reveal inside information about their incredible books and inspiring lives. Now, here's your host, Aaron Gendel. Hey, Aaron Gendel here. I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening to the Daily Authors Podcast. It means so, so much to me. And maybe you've been thinking about writing a book of your own. And if so, do not wait. The world is hurting and needs your help. It needs your book. I would love to help you on your journey to write your book. So simply email me at Aaron at dailyauthors.com and I'd love to hear about your book idea. Now enjoy the show. All right. Thank you so much, Tony Ceballos, for joining me on the Daily Authors Podcast. So excited to talk to you about your book, Forced Turnovers, a Novel for Racial Unity. Thanks again, Tony, for jumping on the show with me. Oh, I'm so glad to be here, Aaron. Thank you very much. It's uh, it's wonderful to know that someone's out there who not only is an author themselves, but promotes other authors. And I think we do for others as we want others to do for us. And so I, I applaud you tremendously. Oh, thank you so much for the kind words, Tony. Appreciate it. Well, before we jump into your book, which I'm excited to talk to you about today, I just wanted to know a little bit more about you, Tony. And so I wondered if you could tell the listeners a little bit more about yourself and your work and what you've got going on right now. Absolutely. Well, I am an author. I'm actually a, a different breed. I'm a, I'm a fiction and nonfiction author. And I'm a, I'm a speaker. But I believe whether we are fiction or nonfiction authors, I believe every book we write is biographical uh, to a degree, even fiction books. I believe whether we know it or not, they're wired into our subconscious. And even in hindsight, you go back and read something that you've written. And at the time, you didn't realize how familiar the words were <laughs> and how you, you walked that road. You know, you were just trying to come up with something cool to write. You know what I mean? <laughs> and you realize that your subconscious preceded you and helped you write the words that you, you wrote. So I believe in that. I'm also the founder of Relaunching Lives creating second chances. And I believe in that firmly because we live, here's the algebra, right? We live in an imperfect world filled with imperfect people. So that's going to equal problems and failures and mistakes and shortcomings. And the laundry list is very long. So I know I, Aaron, have needed multiple second chances in my life. People don't have to believe like me for me to accept them. They don't. I'm just telling you, I'm a product of the grace of God and many second chances. So I try to there in turn, turn around and, and help people find second chances, whether that be in, in um, realizing the fact of their faith or helping them with time management or finding their skill set in life. I believe we all have a gift and it's hardwired in our DNA or whether it's personal finance. That's what I love to do is uh, help people find second chances, Aaron. 
Awesome. Sounds like an incredible mission you're on, Tony. Thank you for sharing all that with us today. Absolutely. I'm sure you're you're helping a lot of people and um, uh, both of us are on the same page there for sure. So uh, you know, being authors, <laughs> we're both there uh, here doing what we're doing to help others. And I think that's ultimately what we're meant to do. So, well, let's talk right about or talk more about your book, Tony. I'm uh, interested to know about your title first, and maybe you could just give us the high-level overview of the book and just what inspired you to write it. Absolutely. The name of the book, as you mentioned at the outset, is Forced Turnovers. It's a novel for racial unity. And, you know, I, I read somewhere once that, you know, there's nothing new under the sun. And uh, some of the problems with which our nation deals today uh, were problems with which our nation dealt 50 years ago. And so the plot, the storyline of this book is set in the South, in Georgia, in the late 60s, 1968. Hmm. And it begins with the, um, the attack, the uh, heinous bombing of an all-Black high school in Macon, Georgia. And it's uh, carried out by a local chapter of a, a white uh, supremacist group. And miraculously, no one is killed in this attack. However, it sets off, as you can imagine, a, uh, a wild chain of events. You know, for example, since this was a civil rights violation uh, to its core, Washington, D.C. set a protocol in action and they dispatched the FBI to uh, descend on this small town in the South. When that happened, the group of white supremacists burrowed underground to plot again, and hence begins a dance between the FBI, who's infiltrated by the white supremacist group, and the white supremacist group, who's infiltrated by the FBI. Mm -hmm. And all of this turmoil and tumult takes place around one man, one white basketball coach who's a geometry teacher who leaves his life in Augusta, Georgia, and goes to Macon, Georgia with his family to just try to help and make a difference. So he's in incredible trouble, and yet he doesn't know the magnitude to how much trouble uh, he is. So that is just the outset of the book, and from there unfurls a pretty wild story. So uh, hopefully you'll, you'll get a sense that it's a, a fairly suspenseful, action-packed uh, ride. Yeah, sounds... Yeah, sounds very interesting. I'd, uh, yeah, you, I just want to hear more as you're talking through it. <laughs> uh, I wondered if you might, I guess, dive into the book a little deeper. Is there any particular section or chapter of the book that stands out that uh, was most interesting to write, perhaps, or that might, I know you talked a little bit earlier about whether it's a uh, fiction or nonfiction, you know, your, your own stories are kind of, uh, interweaved into the story and wondered if there was any example of that in this story or anything applicable that the listeners might take away from it. Yeah, that's, that's a great, great question. And, and back to what you mentioned, what I mentioned earlier, that every story, whether it's fiction or not, is, is biographical. Uh, to me, Aaron, every book that I write begins with a burden. And I think it has to begin in a simple place and I believe a story ends, begins in a simple place and it ends in a simple place. Now, from A to Z, it can get complex with subplots, of course. But the beginning to me is always simple. The ending is always simple. And I just simply had a burden. I'm very thankful 
I was raised in a home where my parents, again, Aaron, people don't have to believe like me uh, yeah. for me to be acquainted with them, but I would be remiss to not mention, you know, my background. I was raised in a home where I was taught everybody, everybody, white, black. My father was full-blooded Mexican. My mother was Caucasian. So I guess you could call me right down the middle, but <laughs> everybody, according to them, was made in the image of God. And so I never had an initial problem, you know, with racial unity. I expected it. And I was always under the impression that everyone was the same way. And then you grow up and then your eyes are open and you realize that's simply not the case. Yeah. And so whether it's a case of people are not taught correctly in the beginning or they adopt, um, you know, a perverted way of thinking down the road, hopefully this book will lead people back to a correct way of thinking in a very redemptive way. But as far as what part of the story I enjoyed the most, I'm not trying to be elusive. I thoroughly enjoyed the entire process. It's very, as you know, writing books, it's very sacrificial, and yet it's very gratifying in the end. So I very much enjoyed, I like the development of the story. And to me, when you know where it's going and you're eager about the chapter you're writing because you want to get to the next chapter, it's this impetus and this momentum that keeps pulling you forward until it's all done. Yeah. And so I, I very much enjoyed just the process of the plot and where the characters were going. So I also grew up playing sports. And so, as I mentioned, the, the coach, uh, the geometry teacher is, teacher is also a, a basketball coach. And so I grew up playing with white players and black players. And, and, and even though sports does not appeal to everyone, and I get that, absolutely, I respect that. Sports is one of the final remaining arenas, no pun intended, one of the final arenas in life where you can just, it doesn't matter what you look like, what color skin you have. If you can just perform at that sport, people are going to love you, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. And you're going to befriend people. So uh, there are, that, that's where the title came from. It's a metaphorical title, Forced Turnovers. It's somewhat of a basketball term. So, Got yeah, I, I had a great time writing this book. Yeah, it sounds like an amazing story, Tony. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, well, I wanted to make sure the listeners and the readers really captured what you wanted to them to get out of reading the book. And wondered if you might be able to sum up writing of your book in just one thing that the reader could take away from it. If there was just one thing you'd want them to take away. Absolutely. I hope everyone realizes that there is, and without giving a secret away, because there is a secret at the very core of this book, um, there is an answer to the dilemma of racial unity in our country. And, and I don't mean any disrespect when I say this. The answer in the book is not God. Okay. Yeah. I believe in God. I'm not, I don't want everybody to think, oh, he's glossing over to he, and I'm going to read this book and find out that God's the answer. Obviously, I believe that. But there's a more specific answer in this book. It's, it's a secret. And Aaron, I have somewhat scoured the media landscape. And I can tell you, and this is not hyperbole, I can tell you the secret to racial unity, I have not heard anywhere else other than in this book. Wow. And so I encourage people to, to read it and go into it open-minded and ready for a good time. Because I believe when you write fiction, 
when people get drawn into the characters and, and their dilemmas and where it's going to take them, when they find credibility in the story, they're suddenly open to any principles you want to teach them through the story. So I absolutely believe there's a principle to racial unity that's in this book. And I certainly hope they read it and, and find that principle. Oh, amazing, Tony. Yeah. Very good stuff. Yeah. I hope ever there, everybody who's interested picks it up. I'm, I'm interested already. I want to know what that secret is. So <laughs> I'm going to have to get it to find out. Well, let's talk a little bit more about you, Tony. You've already given us a little bit of an insight into how you grew up your life. Wondered if you might speak a little bit more about that and always curious to know the authors I interview who and what has influenced them the most to be who they are today and to, you know, to become an author, which again is to me a great accomplishment. So congrats on your book. But I wonder if you might speak to that a little bit more, Tony. Oh, sure. Thank you. I've been blessed to, this This was my fifth book, my first novel, but it was my, my fifth in total. And you're probably like me. Every time you write one, you've got five in the back of your mind. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I have a feeling when I leave this world, hopefully many, many, many years from now, that uh, there will still be several I never <laughs> got around to writing. But uh, I think that's a good sign. I think that's a sign that we're doing what we were supposed and designed to do. Yeah. And so that, that's exciting to me. But, you know, each book, you somewhat suffer. And I'm not trying to be given to, you know, again, hyperbole. But I think, Aaron, you can relate to this. You somewhat, not only when you embrace a book or the title or the subject, you embrace all of it. Sure, we want to embrace the final product. But you also embrace the suffering along the way. Yeah. Suffering might be too strong a word, but let me tell you, when you're in the middle of a book, it feels like <laughs> suffering sometimes, even though you're enjoying the process thoroughly. So yeah. um, that's something that I learned um, that when you, when you find what you've been gifted to do, you can literally look forward and backward in your life and recognize and discern that gift. You probably have a similar story. Yeah. When I was in fourth grade, I had a teacher who believed in me and without me knowing, and I'm so glad she did it without me knowing, she submitted creative writing project of mine to a, a local newspaper reporter for him to critique it. And I am so glad she did that without me knowing because I would have just died from pure fright. You know what I mean? <laughs> if I'd known that. And the next thing I know, she hands it to me and this, the handwritten comments of this man, I might still have it in my garage somewhere. Um, but here we are many years later, Aaron, you and I are talking, and I remember that like it was yesterday because that was such a momentous time in my life and moment of impact. So I believe you can look back and see, you know, I was gifted to do this and look forward and see, okay, there's so many things more I want to do about this. And then you kind of just settle down in that sweet spot. So that kind of speaks to my writing career. I like to help people with lessons I have learned. Um, not that I know any, not that I know everything by by any means, Aaron. I'm still learning as I go. I'm still a work in progress. But you've heard it before. Yes, it's a, it's a blessing to learn from the mistakes of others, absolutely. But there's a greater blessing, Aaron, and that's learning from the mistakes of others before you make the same mistake. Yep. And so that's what I want to do. If I can help someone not make the mistakes I made, I mean, sign me up. I am all for it. And so that's just kind of my overall approach to life and writing in general. That's great. Great mission, Tony. I wondered, 
I guess that segues really well into my next question because I, I do like to talk a little bit about failures and uh, what we might consider failures because obviously a lot of them are, are great learning and great learning experiences and teachers. But wondered if you might have one specifically you would like to share with the listeners today and perhaps what you learned from it. Oh, in terms of failures? Yeah. Oh, man, how much time do you have? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, Pick one that comes to mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, failure uh, doesn't discriminate, right? Um, yeah, absolutely. In, in, in fact, if you have not uh, encountered adversity in life, then, then you haven't started living. And it was really funny, Aaron. I was watching, this was many years ago. I was watching a, a documentary type show where they went behind the scenes of all these famous different musical artists and bands through the years that had been very, they'd become very famous and very lucrative. And I started after I watched about five of these documentaries, I noticed a common denominator. All of them suffered some form of tragedy. And I started to think, okay, failure does not discriminate. Yeah. You know, adversity does not discriminate. And, but we don't let failure define us, right? We build on that and we learn from it and we, we don't repeat it again. But for me, it hit me when I was about 18 to 21 years old. I just decided to live life my way. I was very prideful. I could not be taught by anyone. I thought I knew everything. And I learned just a very cold, hard reality. And sometimes learning hard lessons is really the manifestation of God's grace because you learn from it. I was just very angry. I, I, I was, it was one step forward, 10 steps back. And then I finally just came to a point in my life where I said, okay, God, there's an old expression, if you can't beat them, join them. And I have tried to do this my way and I fail every time. And so I, I surrender my life to you. And that's when it all changed for me, Aaron. And ever since, life has not been easy, but I've had someone to walk through life with me. And so that was my biggest failure that time. And yet that's also my biggest platform yeah. going forward to help people. Yeah. Awesome. Sorry. Thank you, Tony, for sharing it. Sure. Absolutely. Well, I, I love quotes and wondered if there was a quote that inspires you often, Tony, and something that perhaps something you live by or that you just feel inspired to share with us today. Oh, sure. One of my favorites of all time is that a wise man or woman, so let's just say person, a wise person will hear and increase their learning. And when, when I think on that, it's teaching me that not will a foolish person hear because I, I automatically think, okay, it's not the wise person needs to hear, right? It's the foolish person that needs to hear, yeah. but no, it's the wise person will hear and increase their learning. And what that teaches me is that as long as we're drawing breath, Aaron, as long as we're living, we should be learning to be learning at everything we learn in life. Aaron, we learn from someone else, even if it's, to do the opposite <laughs> of what they did. You know what I mean? I, I met some people in life and I thought, man, why did I ever cross paths with that, that person? And for nothing else, it's Tony, do the opposite yeah. of what that person did. So everything we learn in life, we learn from someone else. And when you're finished learning, you're finished. And so uh, that's my encouragement to you today. Yeah, that's another great second quote there. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Good stuff, Tony. Well, I wondered if we might talk a little bit more about the book writing process. I'd like to ask the authors that come on the show about fear and doubt, because I, I do believe not only does fear and doubt 
stop people from writing books, but uh, so many things in life. And I wondered if you experienced that along the way to writing any of the books that you've written. And if so, what's helped you to overcome fear and doubt in your life, Tony? Absolutely. Well, unless you're of a, you know, 0.001%, you probably didn't come out of the womb as a full-time author, right? I mean, you (laughs) know, that's, that's something that we aspire to do. And yet it is one of the toughest roads to walk out there, I'm sure. I think what I encourage people is you need to know that you're passionate about writing and being an author before you ever go down that road. Now, I don't want to make it sound, you know, I, I don't want to, you know, overemphasize and, and get supercilious here. I'm not saying that being an author is some magical calling that only a few people can have. No, anybody can write and be an author, even if it's just writing down your own story. So that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is to start a project of writing a book, whether it's fiction, nonfiction, novel, whatever, you've got to be passionate about it because somewhere along the way, uh, circumstances will absolutely accost and confront and challenge that passion. And if you're not very passionate, then the story will just get snuffed out. Yeah. You have to have a bright, white, hot, burning passion to write that story. Not just for the good times, but for the bad times. When, you know, you're coming home from work and then eating dinner and taking a quick nap and then sitting in front of the computer for an hour or two, or you're getting up early when it's still dark outside, and it's cold outside, and you're literally, you know, wrapped in a blanket at your laptop, you know, mm-hmm. or it's on the weekend, it's Saturday morning, and other people are out doing this, and, and you're writing. So I also encourage people to, you know, I think they, people believe you have to wreck your family life to write a book. I don't believe that. I had to get creative, there's no doubt, but I have a wife and children, and I just had to find times when they weren't awake, or, or they were doing something else when I could, I could write. But you'd be surprised If you're strategic about your writing and you're diligent about it, you'll be surprised how many opportunities you have and and how quickly you can get it to come to pass. So you got to be passionate, uh, you got to be diligent with it, and you've got to be sometimes strategically creative with your time. Great advice, great encouragement, Tony. Thank you. Would you mind just speaking a bit to writer's block? I I know a lot of authors I speak to... um, you know, we run into this, right? Not all, not everybody, but wondered if that was something you've run into with the books that you've written. And if so, what's helped you, Tony? I want to sound very humble when I say this, okay? Uh, I, I want to sound very, very humble when I say this. I don't want this to be taken the wrong way. I have not struggled with writer's block very much. And let me tell you why. I think it speaks to what I just mentioned a few minutes ago, which is when you have that initial genesis of white hot burning passion, that seems to sustain you all the way through, okay? Yeah. Now, did I have times when I thought, you know what, I might just truncate and end the book right here? Absolutely. But then I would take a step back and look and say, no, this, this book is not done. I need to keep going. But what I would just off the top of my head say is, uh, you know, iron sharpens iron. And get around other people who are, are you know, different than you, maybe more creative, maybe less creative. And what I mean by that is sometimes, you know, writers, we think we're this special breed because we can write and start a book and finish it. But sometimes we need to get around people who are just, you know, bare bones, know how to work, just have good work ethic. I don't care if they're an accountant or whatever, but just try to look for other people who are different from you, from whom you can draw. But yeah, especially other writers get around them. And you'd be surprised just 
sitting in a mastermind, you know, just sitting in a group with other people, someone may just say a comment, just miscellaneous comment. And that was the whole subplot of your book. You've been searching that connects all the dots, you know, but the point is if you stay reclusive and isolated, you will never find out what you need to find out, which is outside of yourself. So I, I would say certainly get around other people, other authors, and, you know, just get percolating, get talking and and bounce your ideas off someone else. Awesome. Great stuff. Well, I wanted to ask one other question about the book writing class and one last question. And I wonder if you just might speak to, what has been the very best part about being an author for you, Tony, having written uh, uh, so many books now? And I wonder if you could speak to that. Well, the token response you'll get from authors is this. When the book is finished, right? <laughs> That's the best part. But for me, I think just, um, you know, having a story on your heart and loving that story and then developing that story I don't want to just get bogged down and say, you know, I have a relationship with the story or anything like that. I'm just saying when it starts as a burden and it is somewhat like a relationship, it starts with the burden and then you see it develop along the way. Um, and then it comes to fruition. It's great. And you know, Aaron, never get so locked into one idea that you, you're above massaging it. You know, I, I can just say there are some things about my books, there are about this book, Forced Turnovers that, you know, were with me at the very beginning, but they weren't there at the story at the end. Maybe it, it got me to one point, but it, it didn't work for me anymore. You know, you've got to be able to adapt. You have to be able to, you know, be fluid in the process. I wasn't talking about changing the premise of the story or the meaning, but there might have been some, you know, pillars of the story that I just had to say, look, that got me to this point. This character got me to this point, but I am finding myself just force feeding this character into the storyline and it's just not working. It's almost Aaron, like trying to wedge a piece of a puzzle in that doesn't belong there, you know? Mm-hmm, yeah. So be on your feet, be adaptive and just be fluid with the process while yet keeping your same premise from beginning to end. That's what I would encourage authors to do. Great, great encouragement. Thank you, Tony. Well, I wanted to ask, and make sure I didn't miss anything. So if there was anything else at all you'd like to share, Tony, or if there was a question you would have asked yourself if you were in my shoes, what would that be? Well, you've done a very thorough job and I just appreciate the time. And my desire is, again, for people to know that as long as you're alive and breathing, I firmly believe your best can still be ahead of you. Regardless of your mistakes, your shortcomings, your failures. I tell people all the time, Aaron, if you think you've failed in life, then you need to get in life behind me (laughs) because no one has messed up more than I have in life. And I am thankful to be redeemed and walking a new road. And if it happened for me, it can absolutely happen for anyone else. So what I would simply encourage people on that note, because it's my desire to meet the needs of people So that's why I'm giving you the following information is there might be some needs that need to be met, whether it be, you know, people understanding their faith better or time management better or personal finance better or trying to find out what they've been created to do, whether it's right or whatever. I would encourage you going to uh, TonySabiosAuthor.com. So TonySabiosAuthor.com. 
And if that's, you're saying, oh, I don't know if I can spell Subbios very well, just go to my, my book, Forced Turnovers, and you can find it on Amazon, Books a Million, Barnes & Noble, and that will give you the spelling of my name. But uh, Tony Subbios, so T-O-N-Y, and then Subbios is spelled C-E-B as in boy, A-L-L-O-S as in Sam. So TonySubbiosAuthor.com. And I'm right now, and I, I'm so thankful for the, the timing of our, of our interview today, Aaron, our, our conversation. It doesn't even feel like an interview. It just feels like a nice conversation. You do a very good job. Um, Thank you, Tony. The point is, I'm so glad for the timing because I just went live this weekend, so literally 48 hours ago, as 2020 approaches, I believe it's going to be a wonderful year for people who need second chances. And I've just released a new online teaching series for 2020 called Relaunching Life Balance, The Four Pillars. So if you want life balance in 2020, if life balance has been elusive to you, you're just frustrated, I've been there. And if it's elusive to you and you need balance in life worse than anything, go to TonySubbiosAuthor.com and you'll learn these four pillars. Because if you have these four pillars in place, Aaron, in 2020, you will have life balance atop these four pillars. And the four pillars are your faith, your time, your gift, and your money. Think of it for just a moment. If you have those four pillars in place in your life, your faith, your time, meaning your ability to manage time, your gift, meaning understanding the gift, which is hardwired into your DNA, and your money, your understanding and grasp of money, I'm telling you, you're going to have life balance above those four pillars. And I'm getting ready to do some live webinars. They're absolutely free. I'm right now in the midst of giving away free signed copies of my book. So this is just a special time as we enter 2020, um, there's all kinds of free stuff and there's stuff where you can, and Aaron, here's the last thing I'll tell you. We, we invest money in, in, in so many things in life, but we never take the time to invest in ourselves. And we often say, oh, I don't have time to invest in myself. I've got so many other people depending on me. Well, if that's you, then you are the primary candidate who needs to invest in yourself because how can you be your best for others if you don't invest in yourself? And I would just encourage you, whether it's, it's you know, my teaching or somebody else's, don't repeat the same year. I just feel there's a, a large, enormous amount of people out there who are just, Aaron, repeating the same year, year after year yeah. after year after year. Don't do that in 2020. Take action. Invest in yourself so you can be your best for others. So TonySabiosAuthor.com, Relaunching Life Balance, The Four Pillars, Your Faith, Your Time, Your Gift, and Your Money. Thank you so much, Tony, for sharing all that. And yeah, absolutely agree. Uh, one of my favorite quotes is by Warren Buffett. He says, the best investment you can make is in yourself, right? So definitely yes. agree and appreciate you uh, providing all that great information and putting your heart out there to help others and doing, doing all this great work, Tony. So appreciate you sharing all that you have today and being on the show. It's been awesome. Right on, Aaron. I appreciate your passion, man. Keep it burning brightly. You're going to be a, a, a wonderful influence on many people. Oh, thank you so much, Tony. Thanks for listening to the Daily Authors Podcast. Be sure to visit dailyauthors.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover our fantastic bonus content. 